text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our gospel reading for today, especially the parable of the workers sent into the master's vineyard and these words. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing to you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? You're invited to be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to imagine with me today that you are spending your first day in your new dwelling in the new heaven and the new earth that Christ has given you freely on the last day. What do you think you'll do on that first day when you get there? Are you going to go in that line where you can ask God those questions you always had throughout your life? Or are you going to go and savor the wonderful flavor of some of that fruit that is growing on the trees along the river of life? Or will you simply go out and try to meet your neighbors? I'd like you, at least for this sermon today, to assume that you will do the last. That you'll go up and down the streets, so to speak, and meet those who are there with you. So imagine today that you go down one way on the street from your dwelling and knock on a door. When you open that door, a man comes out who you almost seem to remember a little bit from earth, though you can't place him. As he began to talk, he reveals some things about his time on earth. He says he lived in Milwaukee. He tells you that he ended up dying in jail. In fact, he was murdered there by other inmates. But just as you start to feel sorry for him and his tragic ending, your memory clicks and you remember who he is. It's Jeffrey Dahmer. That man who was not only a serial killer, but was also a pedophile, a mutilator of human bodies, and a cannibal, to top it all off. And yes, he's your next-door neighbor in heaven. You see, a pastor came and visited Mr. Dahmer while he was spending his time in prison, and in fact visited him right up to the day of his death. And before he was murdered in prison, he came to believe in Jesus and was baptized into the Christian faith. But does that mean that you're okay with having Mr. Dahmer as your next door neighbor in heaven? Imagine then you went the other way up the street and you knocked on yet another door. This time you meet a man who is not at all someone that you recognize, and so you just begin to talk again about the lives that you had on earth. This man tells you that his name is Peck. And he tells you that his wife was a very devout Christian who attended church faithfully. But as you continue to talk, he admits that for almost all of his earthly life, he really didn't want much to do with the church or with Christ at all. Oh, he was a nice enough guy but he certainly wasn't a Christian for most of his life. 
But yes, he is your next door neighbor in heaven. You see, before he died, his nephew called up his pastor and asked if he would go and speak to Peck about Jesus. He did. And a couple days later, while lying on his deathbed, Peck was baptized into the Christian faith, surrounded by his family who rejoiced to see it done. But are you okay with having Peck as your next-door neighbor in heaven? Yes, we have to be honest today as we think through this. How do we feel about those two people if they end up being our next-door neighbor? Does it bother you that while you tried for most of your life to find a way into the pew most Sundays, Peck, who really never did that once, still receives the same reward that you will receive? Maybe you give Peck a break because you trust me that he was a pretty nice guy and really didn't do anything that was all that reckless or hurtful to others. But what about Mr. Dahmer? you feel okay with the fact that he is there with you in heaven? Do you feel okay that he might be the one sitting next to you at the heavenly banquet? Do you think he deserves a dwelling place right next to you? Well, today Jesus tells us a parable to help us think through questions just like this. Jesus tells a parable about a master who went out and was getting workers to work in his vineyard. He went out right at the beginning of the day and sent some workers into the field with the agreement that at the end of the day they would be paid a denarius. But he kept going back during the day and finding other workers who were just standing idly by, and he sent them into his vineyard as well. By the end of the parable, we find out that at the end of the day, all of those workers are brought before the foreman who is going to pay them for their work. And to their surprise, the first person who only did one hour of work received the full pay the others had been promised. They thought, perhaps we're getting more then. If he worked one hour and we worked many more, surely we're getting more. But no, they were all given the same pay, the very pay they had agreed to work for. Those other workers were not very happy. For you see, as they sat there in that line watching each person receiving the same, they were tallying up the hours they had worked and the hours others had worked. They were thinking about what was just and fair based on the work that had been done. But you see, the master wasn't so much concerned about justice and fairness. Instead, he was concerned about being generous. He wanted to give to that person who had only worked one hour, one denarius. And it was his. It belonged to him. So surely he could do it. But he ended up asking those other workers, what is wrong? Didn't you agree to work for a denarii? And if so, is it just that you begrudge my generosity? You know, even though we don't like to admit it, we sometimes do begrudge God's generosity. We sort of get a feeling in our gut that we know what we deserve, 
and what others deserve from God. And oftentimes we end up thinking that we deserve more of God's attention and blessing than some other people we know based on the work we think we have done and the work we're sure they have not done. We often question God's judgment when he gives a lot to someone who we think deserves a little. But you see, God reminds us as well. His main concern is not fairness and justice. His main concern is being generous to all. Yes, we tend to think sometimes that we just don't get from God what we deserve. Well, in that sense, <laughs> we are right. We don't get what we deserve. We get far better than we deserve. You see, we too are the object every day and on that last day of God's generosity. I mean, we like to view ourselves as the one who went out right at the break of day and worked very hard, sweating and sweating through the heat of the day, doing everything the Lord had asked us to do. But then again, that's not quite an accurate picture of our Christian walk, is it? I mean, think about it. First off, if God had never called us to go out and work in his field, we'd just be one of those people standing idly by, not really doing much important with our lives. But since God has called us to work in his labor field, we must also remember that we have not done our work there perfectly. I mean, at times we've taken more breaks than we were allotted. We've squabbled over the others that God has placed there in the vineyard with us. Sometimes we get distracted. and We don't focus on the work that God has given us. Perhaps a time or two we've walked completely out of the vineyard to go chase after this or that. Now, truth be told, while we may have been sort of in the vineyard all day, we certainly have not done the work perfectly that our master has given us to do. And so truth be told, when we show up at the end of the day, God really doesn't have to pay us anything. He could just tell us that we simply did not do the work as it was laid out to be done. He could fire us and never let us go into the vineyard again. But he doesn't. No, you see, although what we have earned is nothing, we get everything. We get far more than what we have earned. And so we should not begrudge God's generosity because we are, in fact, the recipients of that generosity. The truth is, even for those of us who have been taught and confessed time and time again that we know that our works are not meritorious before God, that they don't earn heaven, we still slip into thinking that. We still think that maybe we'll get more from God if we've done more good things or spent more minutes in the pew. We want to somehow get a little credit at least for our ending up in heaven. And so we compare ourselves to others and then begin to talk about what we deserve. And if we let that go all the way, we'll eventually begin to believe that our place in the new heaven and the new earth is not something that is a gift, but is something that God owes us. Here's the truth about the people in heaven, all of them, you and your next-door neighbors. 
Everybody's there by grace. Everybody's there because of God's generosity. Not a one is there because they have earned their place. And so really, if you begrudge God's generosity, you are really simply asking for your own condemnation. For you're begrudging the very thing that brought you to that place, the very thing that saved you. You're begrudging the very thing that allowed God to send his only begotten son down to the world to die for you and rise for you. You're begrudging the very thing that fueled God's efforts in creating his church on earth in order that you might be a part of his people in that new heaven and new earth. Yes, God is generous. Quite frankly, more generous than any of us would ever want to be. But that's not a reason to be frustrated, but rather a reason to rejoice. No, it's not up to us to judge who is worthy or not of heaven. And thank goodness for that. For we might judge out Mr. Dahmer or Peck, but somebody else would surely judge us out for one of our failings or another. Thanks be to God that the judge is the generous one, that he is the gracious one. Let us rejoice simply that God is generous, forgiving the sins of sinners in order that they might live with him. As the prophet Isaiah, by the inspiration of the Spirit, spoke nothing but truth. And he said, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours, and indeed they are. Thanks be to God that God's ways are not our ways, because ours are the ways of tallies and justice and fairness. But his is the way of grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. Our ways would end up condemning us all. His way ends up saving all who look to him in faith. So as the prophet Isaiah encouraged, so I encourage you today, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Yes, he will abundantly pardon, for he is generous. But don't let that be a frustration. Let it be a point of rejoicing. Don't worry that he is generous to others. Be thankful that he is generous to you. For the streets of heaven are all filled with people who don't deserve to be there with people who are there solely because of the generosity of our God. God is generous, and because of it, you are saved. Amen.